This is the show where we pair the perfect beverage with the events in our lives. This is Let's, Let's Drink, Drink About it. it. I'm taking like a sketch comedy writing class. Are you? And, uh, That's exciting. Yeah, and uh, Rachel, um, my fiance, was like, uh, I woke up like Sunday morning just sick as a, a dog. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew I was getting sick Saturday night, but then I had to fly to Seattle on Monday and I woke up Monday like trying to like get ready for class and she basically shoved me back in bed and she's like, no freaking way are you going going into into Manhattan and taking a class right before you go to the airport. And I was pretty glad she did. Yeah. I think the uh, people in my in my section on the airplane were probably pretty appreciative that I wasn't as ill as I probably would have been if I'd attempted that. How how is that going? Like what's uh, have you done that before? Writing class? Yeah. Uh, I've taken some improv classes uh, in the past, and I, you know, took writing classes in college and stuff. But um, this is kind of a new thing for me, and I've only done one of them, and it was basically just orientation day. I right. missed the second class. So. <laughs> okay. See, so, yeah, <laughs> um, I, I would like to do something like that. I think. Yeah, it's a. Fu- it's really like it's. I think that they're, like <clears throat> I, a lot of people say this about like therapy or church. It's not. It's like almost as much about choosing to go do it as yeah. it is about what you get out of the experience. Yep. Uh, and I, I think that there's something to that, the kind of committing oneself to being uh, involved in betterment, self-betterment. I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I really think it's, cause it's a huge first step. Like I, I, I once took, a, I think it was about a year ago or so, uh, a writing workshop. It was a one-day, 90-minute thing. Yeah, uh, sorry, not ninety minute. Uh, uh, I don't know. It was a, it was a couple hours anyway. Um, but counting just, was never your strong suit. No, that's that's why words and words are not very good either. So that's why words is what I just said. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, so it was it was with like a, a, a established writer, you know, um, and the uh-huh. fact that I, I agreed to do it and go I, you know it was just kind of like oh you know it was terrifying but it was and i felt great going in i felt less good coming out of it only because you know it's it's a workshop so you're writing on the spot and then you're sharing with what you're doing like you're reading what you've written so first of all i don't public i don't do any public speaking i'm kind of terrified of it and um and you know and then especially sharing what you've just written you know you're on the spot and whatever but yeah it was super empowering to even do it yeah i mean i think that whether or not it's just like i don't really think that i will ever be a comedy writer like i don't think that i necessarily have a career in that i know some people that are and it's terrifying like yeah even if you're like a writer on the tonight show you could get fired tomorrow and then you know not work for 12 months well a friend of mine he's he just finished school um and his i guess his strength is comedy but he was forced to do different styles of writing. Um, and he's working on a, a, a sitcom up here. Um, and uh, he was saying it's amazing, like, your idea of what comedy writing is and what it actually is are wildly different things. Like, he's totally. he's, a, he's a script coordinator. And um, so he sits in on the, in the writing room, and... He said his people are just flying jokes. Like, they're bombing left and right. Like, they're just telling <laughs> terrible jokes. Keeping in mind, it's 
uh, Canadian television. And Maybe I could do this then. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm serious. I'm serious. <laughs> terrible like, jokes are what you do. Yeah. That's what I was like. It just was uh, encouraging to me. Tell me about your week, Chris. Uh, yeah, it's been, it's been all right. Things are kind of turning around weather-wise up here, slowly but surely. Uh, more sun and... Uh, temperatures climbing and stuff so it's kind of nice um less bitter cold yeah um but this week uh i have a good friend of mine he is kind of a i don't want to say a crafty guy because he's like uh he's a man's man this guy he he he's a hunter and like he's very handy you know he's i'm uh, I'm already intimidated yeah no he, he is if uh if i were to describe him he is uh if I were to describe him as though Nick Offerman wasn't a real man, in but like uh-huh. a cartoon, and Ron Swanson was just a, if, you know, a, an actual like just a character, uh, and I don't know, I, this guy is as close to a Ron Swanson slash Nick Offerman as Nick Offerman is. You know what I mean? Wow. He is because uh, Nick Offerman, from what I understand, is very close to being a real Ron Swanson. Yeah, at I mean, least in his at least in his abilities, maybe not in his like affect in real life but yeah he's in- shades he's shades apart from this character that he plays yeah. i mean he's a real canoe builder you know yeah. that almost sounds like a, a derogatory term you canoe builder yeah. Yeah. but and um some something uh you would yell at somebody as you chase them <laughs> off their land shaking your fist yeah yeah um but so he uh he has this uh he's got this 1972 pickup truck and it's a beautiful pickup truck and he, from the mirror the rearview mirror he has this i don't know like a, a i suppose it's a decorative sort of lanyard knot like woven thing that he he has made you know and um i got to asking him about it and and he we just started talking about knots and yeah. and, I, and i realized that i uh like I was a shit student i was a shit uh boy scout you know like uh and it's uh, it's not it's not so much that I I don't have a low self opinion I'm just a shit liar so I, I would you know if I were to tell you I was good at those things I would be found out pretty quickly so anyway uh-huh. I I realized you know I I'm gonna go back to my Boy Scout days and learn to tie some functional knots you know yeah um, do some do some Mike Marlin spiking I believe it is called uh, well then you already know more than me <laughs> the art of knot tying is it is it? See, you, you're think, just too knowledgeable, called, man. I, I could be completely making that up. But I hope you're I, not. I mean, well, I, I, I kind of When I was are. a youth, I went to, uh, like, sea camp. Sea <laughs> camp. summer a couple of times, and uh, there was... I never took it, but there was a course in, in marlin spiking, and, you know, people would come away with, uh, you know, braided rope necklaces and yep. mon- monkey's fists and stuff like that. Sure. Yeah, yeah see, a monkey fist, that's that's one that... that uh, I think he had woven um now maybe I'm getting confused but I think it was like this monkey fist knot around a ball bearing and I swear to you it was yeah. like a medieval weapon it, it looked like <laughs> Totally. Yeah. You could um, crush somebody's orbital socket with that. <laughs> yeah. And I mean I, I'm working my way up to that. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. To, but to, so I thought I making weaponry. <laughs> yeah. Uh with uh with rope. And, and I thought I'd start with the functional side of things because you know. Yeah. Uh, it's handy stuff to know. I mean, like, I know I, you know, I work in film, and a lot of uh, 
you know, grip and electric people have a whole bunch of knots in their repertoire because you'll be kind of loading equipment into a truck and you need to make sure it's not flying around all the time. Yep. But you also want to make it easy to like untie when you get to wherever it's going and want to unload. Exactly. And Uh, and I'm always a little jealous of those people. You know, I wish I was a a better Boy Scout, a better sailor. Yeah. Well, this is kind of the thing I, I, I... it was an introductory thing, you know. I mean, I've I've yet to sort of memorize the name of the knot and then be able to accomplish it, you know. I, right. I, so I'm I'm you know I was just going from uh, uh, books and 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 uh, apps and whatnot, you know, different different uh, resources. But oh, is there a knot app? There, you wouldn't believe how many there are. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty amazing, and I didn't know. But again, my friend Mike, who who uh, I started talking to about. Uh, knots with he he told me there's all these apps so um so yeah i mean there's different kinds there's hitches and loops and binds and uh and you know so on and so forth but this was my again introductory so i got i started here's a quick rundown okay here's a quick rundown figure eight okay. overhand knot uh system uh sorry uh oysterman's stopper knot a stevedore knot a heaving line knot which i i failed at um some hitches an anchor bend a boom hitch which apparently uh is super handy when shipwrecked, so I won't ever be using that one. Um, a bunt line hitch. Well, if, uh, if the next boatparty.biz goes afoul, <laughs> we might be relying on you, you for that. Know, so. Oh, my God. <laughs> here's, here's one. Uh, this one's kind of uh, good. A mooring hitch, which was perfected by pirates of all oceans, apparently. That was what it said. So I don't know how they know this information, but... Uh, God, I love all that stuff, but just like crazy, arcane, naval nonsense well this i mean it looks it looks like it would i mean it's still it's still a a useful knot uh i can't tell you exactly how because i don't like i say i haven't committed these to memory yet but i mean i did attempt this mooring hitch this pirate uh knot and uh you know let's just say if there was a committee if like let's (laughs) say blackbeard brought us aboard his ship and he put me before all of the other pirates and said Give us your be- best Johnny, mooring Johnny hitch. Depp and yeah, the, yeah, Johnny that Depp guy is from there. That band, whatever it's called, uh, the Rolling Stones. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, Keith Richards. Yeah, so so we're standing know, there. Whatever in front- it is, <laughs> we're standing there, and and he asked me to do this mooring hitch. He would promptly march me over to the plank, and I would be off that pirate ship. I'd be shark bait. But yeah, um, yeah it was. It's a little bit complicated. Like a lot of these ones are easy. Test. Yes, anybody listening that actually knows how to tie knots are saying, like, all those knots he just named are, like, literal child's play. Like, this is stuff you learn. I'm sure there's a lot of uh, knotologists in our our listening audience just screaming at their iPhones right now. (laughs) We're going to get a lot of letters, man. I mean, Um, we're going to get, yeah, we're going to get a few letters, and I'm going to be totally embarrassed. Uh, But that's about, that's about, that's me. That sums up my week. Just a lot of knots. Anyway, how was your week, Ben? Uh, I uh, I had a, a perfectly fine week, other than the uh, illness that you can still hear lingering in my throat. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but uh, I I like to on the weekends uh, wander around my neighborhood with my uh, fiance Rachel, mm-hmm. and um, we'll often uh, go go down to my favorite coffee shop which is called Oslo in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. And um we walked up we walked over to Oslo the other day and 
my my neighborhood has a lot of uh, Europeans visiting it all the time, and I think living in it. Like, there's a lot of Europeans with baby carriages, and <laughs> we walked out of the house and on our way to Oslo, which is five or seven blocks from my front door, uh, I. I think I I, just, I was just keeping a running tally in my head. We heard, uh, we heard six different we, like we overheard six different conversations. Just like the people that we passed that happened to be talking to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were six of those, and out of those six, five were in French. Incredible. And uh, it was weird. Just it struck me because like the day before, I'd been uh, sitting in the coffee shop. Uh, studying Spanish of all things on my iPad and these two like people who didn't even know each other started introducing themselves to each other in French <laughs> like and I and it was like I was I watched it unfold and I was like I know that these people didn't like like the like I I can speak enough French to know that they didn't know each other and and so and so like the fact that they somehow saw enough like visual cues on each other to know that they could connect in French blew me blew my mind and mm-hmm. I'm starting to think that I live in like some sort of miniature Paris like like I don't know like when it happened but my neighborhood has got a ton of like francophones in it all of a sudden that's pretty cool though. I, know, I know that's not unusual for you Canadians but in uh, in the US it's just not a language that you hear spoken that often yeah well I mean it's I don't know it's not yeah, I suppose we're less uh, shocked when we hear French, but I mean, it's still, it's not, you know. Well, you see it everywhere, I guess. Uh, yeah. It's I in the know. environment. It's on, your, it's on the uh, ingredients panel yeah. of your uh, package of potato that, chips. That's right. Everything has two uh, pieces of information, one in English, one in French, yes. Yeah. So that was my thing. I, I cool. uh, yeah, it was just a, it's just a weird thing. Like, uh, so it's know. only is it only recently, or is this is this something that you have? I know you said the day before, but I mean beyond that, you know, is it something that happens all the time? Or yeah, I mean you you see, uh, you're. I think there's kind of. I think it's kind of like a cool place if you're like a European person of a certain income bracket to have mm-hmm. a second home mm-hmm. or something. So there is just like a big expat community in my neighborhood that are, you know, I can't really complain because I'm fully a gentrifier, but yeah, like these people are making the rents like even crazy for somebody that makes like a decent middle-class income like myself. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, I think the word, the word is just getting out. People are starting to hear about this place called New York and yeah. Williamsburg and, and, uh, you know, you're starting to get, you know, people of different backgrounds showing up. Yeah, there's so, a little bit of a whisper campaign going, isn't there? I think so. A yeah. whisper campaign. I like that. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, like I definitely wasn't in the first wave of like artsy white people that came in and started kicking out the Polish and Puerto Rican people that used to live there. Right. Living, you know, just living. But I have been there long enough that I like remember those days a little bit. And mm-hmm. and uh, and it's like fully not the bohemian uh you know funky place that it was when i first moved to it and mm-hmm. uh you know it like went from having one pretty good coffee shop to like five or six world class coffee shops right like destination coffee shops right and like 
a couple of places to buy a pair of shoes or whatever to like like just your cup runneth over with places to spend too much money and coffee yeah My, my drink for you, Chris, is the Navy Grog. Mm-hmm. And uh, I picked it because knot tying is so closely associated with the naval arts. Mm-hmm. And um, nautical, it's also... Nautical, if you will. The, the nautical arts. Yeah, it's it's also just a, a, a classic, classic cocktail. It comes, it's like one of the kind of holy trinity of tiki cocktails along with the Mai Tai and the uh, zombie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got kind of an interesting backstory. It's uh, so the recipe is uh, it's an ounce of white rum, an ounce of demerara rum, which is often one fifty one rum, uh, an ounce of dark rum, uh, three quarter ounces of lime juice, three quarter ounces of white grapefruit juice, one ounce of honey syrup, one ounce, of, uh, and and then club soda to top, and an orange slice or a cherry for a garnish, or both, or you know a. a Umbrella and a bunch of <laughs> crazy tropical fruit on a skewer. Right. Well, you're only going to see an orange slice this week. So yeah, sounds good. I say keep it simple. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and the, um, you know, grog is like uh, is a, uh, this is a cocktail, but it's based on something that was kind of like almost a precursor to a cocktail, which was the grog ration that you would get as a a sailor in the Royal Navy, uh, you know, they would uh, mix uh, rum and water, uh, and that would be like. Bas- I think the rum was basically there to make the water taste less awful because it was just spoiled garbage water that they kept in <laughs> barrels on these ships. Yeah, um, not potable. They'd call it these days, right? But then they added like lemon juice or lime juice to it eventually, and that. Um, I think had some impact in making scurvy not such a big issue mm-hmm. uh, in in sailing um, because like the alcohol would preserve the the juice or something. Well, I don't know. I'm probably just making that part up. But it's cool. uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of there's there's holes in all of this. Everything we yeah. say, there's a potential hole in everything we say. But we're I'm, adding to the <laughs> apocryphalness of the apocrypha. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, they do say there's a, there's a, a a wide variety of versions of this, right? Yeah, well, and um, yeah, there, there's about a billion different recipes for the right. Navy Grog on on uh, the internet and in books. But uh, I also like that it is the is probably the uh, etymological root for the term groggy, mm-hmm. which uh, is what you associate with a hangover. Yeah, um, we're about so. to get groggy. We're about yeah. to get groggy. Uh, and I mean, it's three ounces of alcohol, which is you are not fooling. This is. You know, this is yeah. we're gonna blow off some steam this afternoon. With Don't this hop drink. in a car after this, buddy. No, no, I'm, I'm gonna be walking in all kinds of zigzaggy lines all the way home. Um, nice. So for you, your drink uh, is the French seventy five, uh, which is, I believe, a classic cocktail. Is it not? It sure is. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think I've only had this a couple of times before, and it was a few years ago. But it's, uh, it's a nice one. I don't have the history of this drink. You probably know a bit about it, do you? Uh, yeah, there's something about it being named after a 75 millimeter artillery cannon that was in like a French army awesome. field piece. Uh, I don't really know why it's named that, but that's, uh, 
I'm going to go with that. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Uh, I might be history. making that up too. Who knows? Yeah, no, I like that imagined history. If that's we've, if that's we've really we've really carved out a space for ourselves as cocktail experts, haven't we? <laughs> but that's what I mean. We're not. So you know what? Wear that on your sleeve. Uh, we're, we're dedicated enthusiasts. Yeah. Uh, what did I say? I think we are uh, appreciados. Appreciados, right? Um, so the recipe for the French seventy-five is one ounce of gin, uh, a half ounce of Cointreau, a half ounce of lemon juice, and topped with champagne. Champagne. Oh, ho, ho, ho. sounds well, nice. I, I have to admit, I uh, couldn't find champagne in the like various corner store slash bodegas in mm-hmm. the vicinity of my hotel room in Seattle. So I have Prosecco, but uh, I think it'll be close enough, at sure. least for the purposes of uh, of this show. Okay. Well, I have, uh, I have I have to admit something. I have a confession myself. Uh, okay. When it comes to dark rum, it's black spiced rum. So it's not. I mean, that is dark rum, but you know, just I, as, I, all the cards are on the table. I don't. I won't tell lie. anybody if you won't. I never want to lie to you, Ben. You just sent me a picture of the. Uh of the bottles and the drinks. Mm-hmm. Um, this will probably be in the blog post because I don't really have anything pretty to take a picture of over here. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to, I mean, yeah. We're not we're not here to like endorse any specific products, but I noticed that you got one of my favorite rums, which is the uh, El Dorado Twelve. Yeah, which is uh, that I just I just drink that neat all night long. Uh, when faced with the choice yesterday of uh, buying the. You know, let's say the entry level El Dorado, which I I think is the eight year, um, and then there's the twelve, and I think twenty, twenty was a little, uh, you know, maybe that's the next bottle. But I started with the twelve, and yeah, worked my way up. The twenty is one you get, and you just keep it in the back of the shelf, and you only take a sip out of it on special occasions. Yeah, you just have a, a, a maybe like a reading light on it. You know, just I was at a house party one time, and this trinidadian guy was talking to me about rum and he was like i probably shouldn't admit this but i think guyana makes the best rum and i think i stashed some here last time i was here and we like went into the freezer of this person's house and he had totally like hidden a bottle of rum you're, in their freezer that they didn't know about and we just like walked around <laughs> drinking it out of paper cups for the rest of the party it was awesome. incredible that's great <laughs> yeah um well let's take a sip man yeah cheers chin chin Hmm. Yum, yum, yum. Ahar. <laughs> um, that was a mix bonjour. between. That was, <laughs> that was a mix between ahoy and r. Just uh, for the record. Um, you're, you're a big fan of le portmanteau, <laughs> which is French for putting two words together. Yes. Yep. Um, I'm becoming French. You're becoming a, uh, a confusing pirate. <laughs> yeah. Talk to me about the French seventy-five. I think it's great. It's it's a it's a it's a delectable beverage. Uh, the the uh, web page I pulled up to uh, to look at the uh, proportions because uh, I know you read them to me, but I had to remind them so- myself while I was mixing it. Mm-hmm. Um, said something about how uh, the drink came to the United States after World War One, and the uh, uh, it's supposed to kick the way the uh, artillery piece. Uh, that is its namesake kicks <laughs> amazing so that's it's a boozy drink um you know it's like it's uh but it's nice it's not it doesn't 
it doesn't it's not cloying in the way that a boozy drink can sometimes be mm. yeah we, we think that that's the the bubbles i always like a bubbly thing mm-hmm. oh shoot you know what james stop right there i've got to uh yeah I for, hang on one second oh, I, I, did you forget to add the this, seltzer water yeah to of your... course this is gonna take it up it's gonna take it up a notch hang on speaking uh, of bubbly okay. things Right Pausing back. right here, folks. This is real time. This is real time cocktail podcasting that you're you're getting to hear. <laughs> hey, James, you want to hop on the mic and talk to me while we're waiting for Chris? This Absolutely. is this is a rare a rare opportunity. We get to talk to James Black, who has been generously uh, helping us create this show. Oh, you hear that? That's that what my a... voice sounds like. That's why I don't normally talk. It sounds like a can <laughs> opening. James, I. Uh, I've edited the first couple of episodes now. Um, we have a little uh, buffer of episodes. Um, and one of my favorite, favorite things about the show so far is just hearing you laughing at stuff in the background. <laughs> <laughs> it's the live studio audience, right? Yeah, a studio audience of one. It's great. It, made, it, it makes us, uh, James uh, humanizes us. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're not. Brings us, down, brings us down to earth. Yeah, we're not these perfect beings that you imagine they're these luminous cocktail gods we are amongst you yeah we're yeah (laughs) anyway (laughs) there's no reason that we should be doing this show (laughs) see we got an approving nod from james there and you know what they the them uh them naval types knew what they were doing by putting seltzer water in there because it does it uh makes all the difference that seltzer water probably doesn't really keep it on the high seas when you're talking about a wood barrel but right uh, (laughs) Right, just flat seltzer water in in uh, uh, you know, for landlubbers, we can tart it up with some seltzer water. It tastes great. Well, see, we we uh, we can this stuff up here. We call it Canada Dry Club Soda. Easy. Oh. No wooden barrels for us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Alu- aluminum cans, rather. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, this this uh, you know right away, I think of you saying that it 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 uh, it would change the flavor of the water. Um, and it would also combat uh, scurvy because there's, you know, you can taste the citrus. There's honey in there too. Yeah, it's really nice. It's, um, yeah, the citrus is, the, I think, the overriding thing is, it's, which is surprising for something so boozy, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, acid really uh, commands it, uh, attention because it's like not just a flavor, it's like a, chemical situation as well yeah and i mean i i I would probably even pull back just a touch on the the juices i don't know it's this Hmm. you know if you want to if you want the more boozy flavor to come through you would obviously lighten up this the the juice but yeah it's now now that i'm thinking about it i i'm almost regretting assigning you this beverage this week because i'm realizing it's going to make you a terrible knot tire you're going to be hammered (laughs) I was putting, you know, that that silly photo that I sent you. Um, I was, you know, I'm not a set designer or a, a, a decorator, so I don't know. You know, it's just whipped it together. And James is like, "Let's drink this drink and then see how much you care about how this photo looks." You know, because it's, uh, <laughs> it's a bit of a gut punch. It's good. <clears throat> yeah. Well, uh, I think that my uh, French 75 will help me um, form some uh, liberty, equality, and fraternity with my new French neighbors. Um, <laughs> Perfect. So, yeah, so. I, I, I'll invite them. Next time I see some of them walking past my front gate, I'll, uh, 
I'll invite them in for a French 75 and <laughs> see if I can inflict some of my wretched high school French <laughs> on them and uh, communicate a little bit. Well, Ben, uh, we are like that way because uh, even though I'm Canadian and I should speak fluent French-Canadian, I do not speak it fluently. And I can all, under- all you know is to be insulted if somebody calls you a tabernacle. That's right. I to you know t- tabernacle is something that um, y- you only equate with bad, and I it makes me laugh because it's re- it sounds really funny when said. Uh, I guess we should explain. It's like it's it's literally the word for tabernacle, but for some reason French, like Canadian French, Quebecois French, it is like the worst insult you can in- well, sort of like hurl at someone, right? Yeah, I, yeah, it's a, it's a Dabelnak. Dabelnak. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had a, I had a friend who was an Anglophone from Montreal. Uh, well, I still have him. He is still my friend. And, uh, <laughs> I still he, have uh, him. He I one time him right gave, here. Me, gave me the rundown of all the uh, different crazy things that you can use to insult uh, Francophone Canadians. It's um, a good thing to know. Something about le diet Pepsi et le May West. <laughs> what? That's what cool. they eat for breakfast in Quebec. Cool. All right, that's. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna have to do a little digging because I've never heard that. But I'm also more not more m- more bullshit apocrypha for you, <laughs> uh, fair listener. This week we had our very first Twitter. Uh, life event slash pairing request. Yeah, a spontaneous one that we didn't ask for in advance. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, uh, I'll go one step further and say that the first one we got was from a fellow Canuck who goes by at Hack, Hack Dandy on Twitter. Uh, right. Uh, and he requested a pairing for uh, the MLB opening day, which uh, by the time you read this, uh, nope, we'll be, we'll <laughs> which be by the time you hear this, will yeah, we'll be two weeks in the past. But Jeez, you're already drunk, Chris. <laughs> Tell you, I sniffed the glass. Pretty soon you're going to be drifting in and out of consciousness. <laughs> and that's when this show is going to get really good. Yeah. Um, Every single person I talk to about this show go, asks when we're going to do the show where we really do get hammered while, while we're see, recording it. I, well, here's the thing. I, I, that show will happen. It's going to happen. I really like the uh, il, uh, a time-lapse show idea where mm-hmm. we just drink, you know, and then sort of fast forward 30 minutes. Anyway. Um so yeah, uh, so MLB opening day, right? So going to unfor- be ancient history by the time you're hearing right. this. Right, I, I really you you retweeted back at him that uh, tall boy that was ten dollars overpriced by yeah yeah. I mean, <laughs> was I, a I, I liked that. I yeah, think I, I mean, I, just a ten dollar. You want you want cheap light beer, cheap when you're light beer, uh, overpriced and yeah. with a hot dog. Cause, yeah, because baseball is not a gustatory experience. It's it's a you know, just uh, just go watch some people throw a weird leather ball around a field. <laughs> yeah, and get you know, yeah, and try to tart everything up. I guess like do your best to forget that you're there. Is that the is that the idea? I love I love going to baseball games. I got to say, I, I the atmosphere. but it is like mainly you're there to get drunk on something that tastes gross for too much money. <laughs> yeah, and so that leads to the uh, so that's the official first request. That, the, that leads thank, to our thank you very much. Uh, yes, Hack Dandy in Ottawa, Canada. Thank you so much. Um, and, and so the second request, but uh, non-timely 
request, I guess. Right. Uh, uh, an evergreen an request, evergreen. which is, which is <laughs> yeah. what we're looking for uh, with these. I yeah, guess. an evergreen request. Right. So, uh, at Cameron Cameron. Um, friend K- C-A-M-R-Y-N. C-A-M-R-Y-N. Yeah, thank you, Ben. Uh, who is out in L.A., um, asked, uh, well, first of all, congratulations are in order because she got her first independent florist job. So congratulations at Cameron Cameron. Um, yeah, and she really re- cool. she requested something floral and you, um, you had suggested a drink with, um, Saint Germain, which is right. the elderflower liqueur that is yes. the, the darling of the fancy pants cocktail bar industry. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's, I think rightfully so because, you know, not not only is it delicious, it comes in a beautiful bottle. Uh, it just looks nice. It looks fancy, yeah. and it's uh, if you want to if you want to class up your home bar for twenty bucks, just get a like. Even if you're not going to drink it, just put a bottle of San Germain in there. And people pe- will be impressed when they come over. That's right. It's like putting a, a copy of uh, War and Peace on your bookshelf. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I I actually it, recently bought it. a bottle, and I still haven't used it for anything because it's like not something I necessarily reach for automatically when I'm going to mix myself something to drink at home. But mm-hmm. it looks great on my bar. <laughs> uh, so, you know, you suggested that, and I had I had actually looked at cocktails with that uh, to begin with, and and I just happened to come across this drink that I'm a huge fan of rhubarb. I, like, it's mm. one of my all-time favorite things. And um, um, so there is a take on a, what is it, Ramos, Ramos Gin Fizz? How would you Ramos say? Gin Fizz, yeah, I think that's what it's called. Right, so I mean, a Ramos Gin Fizz is um, it's a it's gin, lemon juice, sugar, heavy cream, lime juice, egg white, uh, a few drops of orange flower water, and uh, crushed ice and club soda. So uh, it's it sort of a, it's a take on that. Uh, this is a rhubarb and rose Ramos uh, Gin Fizz, uh, which is two ounces of London dry gin or gin of your choosing, I suppose. Uh, half ounce of lemon juice half ounce of lime juice, two ounces of rhubarb syrup, uh, one ounce of heavy cream, one or two rose water drops, uh, one egg white, ice, and soda water. And I mean, it tells you, the the um, recipe that we'll post tells you how to make the rhubarb syrup. But uh, this, the look of this drink, it looks like a strawberry milkshake. But I can't, yes. my mouth is watering. I don't know if you heard me pause there. My mouth is watering because it is so, it looks so good. It looks it looks like cake in a cup or something. It's just it's unbelievable, cake in a yeah. glass, I suppose. But um, hopefully, Cameron, if you make that drink, you let us know. I mean, it's a bit of work. It's a bit involved, but I, I'm willing to bet that it's worth every minute you spend. Yeah, if you if you if you make it and enjoy it, let us know. Um, and if you have a a uh, life event that you need a drink pairing for, uh, tweet at us. I'm at Benjamin Ahr. And I am at Chris B. Chicken. Yeah, and uh, we actually uh, uh, now have our own Twitter account. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, we finally got around to paying the guy to set up a Twitter account for us. <laughs> yep. Uh, Super at, involved at, process, everybody. Yeah, it's it's very it's challenging, but it's at at Drink About It, um, and uh, you probably know that already because you probably are listening to this because we followed you <laughs> with <Yeah>. that account. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, so tweet tweet at us, give us some uh, give us some requests, and uh, we'll uh, try to come up with something cool for you. We 
we would like to thank everybody for the support um, in the past couple of weeks. Uh, it's been really nice to hear from you and uh, and get the, the feedback. Um, and uh, so we'll say thanks again to James Black for engineering and extending his home to us, uh, or to me. Yeah. Uh, Paul, Paul Watling for making our super cool logo and... Especially because it makes me look like a madman. <laughs> I love, I love that caricature. I, by the way, I really do. And uh, and Graham Walsh for the theme music. So thank you very much, guys. Yeah, and if you'd like to check out the recipes for today's drinks, please go to the show notes at letsdrinkabout.it. Peace out, Chris Bowman. Peace out, Benny. Get groggy. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, pretty good solid uh, philosophy that says that there's no such thing as free will. So, just you know, food for thought, people. Food for thought, people. And I'll tell I you, but you didn't think you'd have a knowledge bomb dropped at you <laughs> on you at the end of this show, like. And at this point, did. at minute fifty-six of this show. Yeah. Uh, but I'll tell every, you, I'm excited every... to see whoever's written the script. I'm excited to see what they've got in store for me. So, let's see what happens. <laughs>